Welcome to the Travel Pulse Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Bowman, executive editor of TravelPulse.com. Today is Monday, August 23rd. A special Monday edition of the show this week as I am scheduled to be doing some traveling later this week. Currently scheduled to go to Europe for Ama Waterways' christening of their new ship, Ama Siena. Very excited about that. Still on the fence, will it actually happen? Because you never really know what travel these days. And, you know, they were considering it earlier uh, this month about reinstating travel restrictions on the U.S., um, the EU, that is. And we shall see. You know, I hope to be able to bring you a show next week from the ship. Uh, that would be really exciting. Um, that's my plan. So, you know, well, only time will tell. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. Um, but yeah, we got a really exciting show for you coming up today. I'm very excited to have uh, CDC Dr. Christina Angelo back on the podcast. She was on here last year. A lot has changed since then. So we'll get her thoughts and insights on vaccinated travel versus unvaccinated travel and what people need to know moving forward and lots of insight on other things as well in the world of travel. But first, as we do for every show, in case this is your first time listening, let's dive into what's trending in the world of travel in the last week. We begin with cruise news as the CDC updated recommendations for cruising. Uh, the CDC is now recommending that travelers who are at increased risk for severe illness avoid cruise ship travel regardless of vaccination status. And if you are unvaccinated, you should definitely avoid cruise ship travel, according to the CDC. And with that, cruise lines really want to have just vaccinated passengers on there. Um, but that is a whole battle back and forth with some legal stuff there out of Florida to be able to set those rules. And that's where we're at with cruising in that regard. But, you know, if if you're at risk for severe illness, I don't really think a cruise is for you right now. I don't think a whole lot of travel is is ideal, you know, but it depends on the severity. It depends on how much you feel, you know, at risk in doing certain things. It's it's all about personal and, and uh, personal perspective and, and your subjectiveness to uh, what you feel comfortable doing right now. And that's, that's kind of where things are at. We'll hear more about the CDC and cruising coming up later on the show in the interview segment with Dr. Angelo. Moving over to airline news, the federal transportation mask mandate was extended into 2022. You know, I, I said a few weeks ago on the show that I, as, as we knew the Delta variant was uh, rising in cases, that I wouldn't be surprised if this was going to happen. Didn't know how long they would extend it to. Kind of thought maybe the end of the year, but not too surprised that it's been pushed into January there. It is what it is. You know, hopefully that's our actual end date. You know, we, we were really hopeful that September was the end date and we can move past that and beyond and start getting back to some normalcy there of not having to wear a mask on planes and trains and uh, public transportation things. But that's what it is. That's the rule. Um, meanwhile, the FAA, their fines for unruly behavior this year has exceeded $1 million. Might they get to $2 million since the mask mandate has been extended to 2022? I don't know. Hopefully people will wise up and, and slap those masks on for the duration of their flights and, and stop being jerks to everyone else around and ruin an experience. But um, if you do and you have a problem with wearing a mask, uh, personally, I say don't fly at all if that's your if that's your issues. But, you know, if you can't follow the rules, but if you can't follow the rules, you're going to get fined and you're going to get a heavy fine because the FAA is laying, trying to lay down the law, at least. And the fact that, you know, most of the unruly behavior this this past year is all about people not wanting to wear the mask. You know, the fact that we're reaching over a million dollars in in fines there is a bit mind boggling to me. But I digress. You know, in other aviation news, um, the Biden administration has activated U.S. airlines to assist in the Afghanistan evacuation. 
Pentagon officials revealed the commercial aircraft would not be flown directly into Afghanistan, but instead would be dispatched to military bases or key transportation points in Europe and the Middle East. A total of 18 commercial aircraft will be used by the U.S. government. Carriers supporting the program include American Airlines, Atlas Air, Delta Airlines, Hawaiian Airlines, Omni Air, and United Airlines. 100% on board with commercial airlines helping out here. You know, the government has bailed them out, uh, the big ones out, multiple times, so they should absolutely be able to help here. I do wonder if any offered uh, in advance before the mandate came down or, or or maybe behind closed doors. Was there any pushback at all? You know, we'll never know any of that stuff. But publicly, publicly, they're out there making statements about embracing the responsibility, and, and it's a big one. This is important stuff. There were a lot of people, too, that on, you know, some Facebook comments and stuff were commenting how, you know, this should be the military's job and, you know, they're not trained for this and all. And, and well, they're not flying directly into Afghanistan. That would be absurd. You know, kudos to these airlines for stepping up and, and embracing this responsibility indeed, because this is this is very key and, and very important that, you know, we, we help out and get those people uh, to safety. In destination news in the last week, uh, the U.S. has extended its ban on non-essential travel along the Mexican and Canadian borders to September 21st. Kind of surprising there as the uh, U.S. Uh, got the okay to go into Canada earlier this month. And then we thought that was like August 9th. And then they pushed it to, you know, for, for allowing Canadians to come into the U.S. We thought August 21st was going to be the day, but nope. They have pushed that back into September 21st. Um, so we can go visit Canada, but we're not letting Canadians enter here. Um, we're still not letting EU citizens visit the U.S., but we can go over there. All of this makes me wonder, you know, is the U.S. more concerned about other countries than what's happening here at its own backyard? Or are we very concerned about what's happening here in, in, in the U.S. And, and the U.S. just doesn't want people to come here, get it from its own citizens, and then take it back to their country and further the spread? It's um, it's a mind-boggling situation of, of, of and in a tough task. I'm, I'm glad I'm not on any of those boards of trying to decide when to open things up and how the restrictions be put in place and everything. And then it, it's all ever-changing and things are updating every day and it, it's it's nuts out there. So it's key to, uh, if you are trying to travel and visit other places, you know, that you work with a travel advisor because they're going to be key in understanding those travel restrictions and especially as new places re-add travel restrictions, unfortunately, is what we're seeing because of the Delta variant. It's causing some concern in the travel industry. And just recently, um, Hawaii is now considering travel restrictions again uh, because of this COVID-19 surge. Um, state and county officials are considering bringing back COVID-19 testing for vaccinated domestic travelers. I can't say I'm too surprised there. Hawaii has been very uh, strict and very, you know, the strictest of the of the states here in the U.S. Um, so they're they're going to do what they have to do to feel whatever they feel is best for their residents and and, and whatever they feel is best for for, for travel uh, at this moment in time. I still think people are going to travel to Hawaii, whether or not they reinstate those restrictions again. We saw, you know, when those restrictions were in place before there was even vaccinations, people were still going to Hawaii. People who wanted to go visit, you know, other destinations and super popular stuff or, or, or had something planned for international, you know, they, they changed that and they just went to Hawaii. And we're still going to see people visiting Hawaii regardless of what they decide to do. Um, but whatever they do decide to do, we'll have it up on travelpulse.com whenever it is official. Get all your travel news there. Uh, we just posted up recently. Venice is going to charge entry fees and require reservations starting next summer. Um, this is all in an effort to combat over tourism. They've already, you know, banned the large cruise ships. They're doing what they can to try to make their place uh, safe and, you know, um, to be able to withstand lots and lots of people, uh, just not as many people as it previously had. So, so no issues on from from me on charging to enter. 
you know, they some they know some people won't like it and uh, and avoid them altogether. But you know, that's the risk you take in, in charging fees. You know, you're not going to make everybody happy out there. Uh, I won't be surprised if more places charge fees. Uh, you know, small tourist tax to enter the destination. Fine by me. I don't have any issues with that. Uh, you know, what the future of fees holds is, is certainly interesting. Uh, that was my topic on this uh, this week's Bowman's Travel Brief. Check that over at uh, TravelPulse.com. You know, the, the entry fees, you know, the places got to do whatever, whatever it takes to uh, survive all the setbacks from this pandemic. So I don't have an issue with that. Uh, one fee I would love to see be non-existent forever is the dreaded hotel parking fees. Never been a fan of those. But uh, I digress. Uh, how do you feel about fees? Hit me up, podcast at travelpulse.com. And wrapping up destination news and what's been trending in the last week, Google's data, uh, they, they came out and with uh, the most popular U.S. travel destinations this August based on search engine, um, Las Vegas, New York City, Los Angeles, San Diego, Chicago, Orlando, and Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. The last one there, Myrtle Beach, is an affordable destination if you haven't ever checked it out. Worth uh, worth looking into, if uh, especially if you're on the East Coast over here. Um, in Orlando, obviously, I'm not surprised at all that some of their theme parks have been, um, I don't want to say thriving, but somewhat thriving, you know, compared to other aspects in, in, in travel. Um, I had a friend who's at Disney World right now and posted a bunch of stuff on social media, and she was, like, breezing through all the lines because there's, like, hardly anyone there. So, um you know, a lot of kids are going back into school and stuff right now. So I think you, some of the theme parks there are, are a little lower. But yeah, Las Vegas is definitely trending. You know, a lot of big musical acts coming back up and, and being on the books for the future. So I definitely see that as an area of a uh, huge bounce back for, for tourism there. So that wraps up what is trending in travel in the last week. Any additional thoughts, drop me an email, podcast at travelpulse.com. And now joining me on the show is CDC Dr. Christina Angelo. Dr. Angelo, thank you so much for joining. Welcome back. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure. Yes. Um, so for those of you who may not remember or don't know, Dr. Angelo was on the show last year. So if you could just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your role with the CDC. Absolutely. So I am an infectious diseases trained physician, um, and I work at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the United States. And I've been working at CDC now for about eight years. And my current job is in the Traveler's Health Branch um, as a medical epidemiologist. And right now, pretty much all of our jobs at CDC is 100% COVID all the time. Yes, yeah, still the the world that we're in, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so uh, Dr. Angelo was on the podcast um, last year, last October. Um, a lot has changed since your last appearance on the show. Um, Dan has left, so now it's just me, uh, the host here, Eric. And uh, we have vaccines now. So those vaccines have been a key in kind of the return of travel and somewhat of a normalcy, we'll say, uh, because it's still, you know, pre-pandemic is a a long afterthought. But uh, and actually just today, the FDA granted full approval of uh, Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine. So that's great news there for a lot of people that were holding out. And that was their argument for not getting it. Hopefully they will turn around and now get it that the FDA, FDA has granted that. So. Of course, you know, as it pertains to travel, not everyone traveling out there is vaccinated. So with vaccinated travel versus unvaccinated travel, what are the key things to know in um, the differences of how someone who is vaccinated should prepare for travel versus someone who is unvaccinated? Absolutely. So as you sort of have prefaced, Eric, the most important thing that travelers can do is be fully vaccinated against COVID-19. That is the thing I'd love to underscore um, throughout my time that I spent with you all today. 
in general, fully vaccinated people versus unvaccinated people, there are some differences um, in our recommendations before actually embarking on any sort of adventure that people plan on taking. Um, I'll first start talking about fully vaccinated people. Um, Those that are traveling domestically do not need to get tested before or after travel or self-quarantine. Um, They do, however, need to follow state and local recommendations and requirements, which may be different than CDC, but in general, no testing and no need for self-quarantine. However, unvaccinated people traveling domestically is a whole new ballgame. We recommend a viral test one to three days before travel, a viral test meaning either an antigen test, a rapid test, or a viral PCR Um, And then they should get tested also with a viral test three to five days after travel and stay home and self-quarantine for a full seven days after travel. If someone returns home and let's say they decide, hey, I don't want to do that three to five day recommendation for a viral test after travel, what that does is extend their self-quarantine for 10 days after travel. Now, those are our domestic recommendations. The international recommendations are a little bit different. Um, for fully vaccinated travelers, they do not need to be tested. But the caveat here is unless your destination requires it. There are a number of destinations that do require either having some sort of test, whether it be a PCR or a rapid antigen test, before arriving into that country. And some countries don't even accept the antigen test, the rapid test. So it's always good to check the Department of State website before departing to know what those requirements are. Um, unvaccinated people in general, our recommendation is that they should not travel internationally. Um, people who are not fully vaccinated and must travel should get a viral test one to three days before travel, similar to domestic, and then also have that viral test three to five days after with the same recommendation for that self-quarantine for seven days if they get tested and 10 days should they not get tested. Um, We do actually also recommend one of the differences between the domestic and international travel also is that even vaccinated people should be tested um, after coming back to the United States three to five days after. Gotcha. Yeah, all great insight there. I think the key is, you know, with testing too, I'm I'm actually scheduled to go to Europe. Um, I am double vaccinated. I've been vaccinated since the spring, but I still want to get a test before I go because it is required still to get a test uh, before you come back into the country if you are traveling internationally. So I think it's good to test before you go just so you know because no one wants to get stuck in quarantine um, <laughs> in an international exactly. destination out there. So yeah, it's, it's definitely impacted um, how people have dis- are deciding to travel. I think with unvaccinated travelers out there, not many of them are doing um, international travel just because there are so many restrictions in place for that. And I'm talking to a lot of travel advisors too where I'm hearing that you know, how they're approaching selling travel uh, versus a, to an unvaccinated client uh, versus a vaccinated client. Some of them are asking up front if their clients are vaccinated. Others are waiting until the, uh, the client to bring it up. Uh, most advisors I speak with, though, say that any of the unvaccinated clients that they are selling travel to, uh, if they are traveling internationally, it's just pretty much to uh, Mexico or some of the Caribbean destinations for all-inclusive resorts uh, because you can... Sp- better socially distant there and it's obvious as you mentioned you know it's easier to get into some of these places like mexico doesn't have anything um barring you from entering in you just can show up but you still have to get a test to fly back into the united states there and a lot of those all-inclusive resorts are offering that up to their guests so i think that's where you're seeing a lot of the unvaccinated travelers hit the um 
the international scene uh, is pretty much non-existent for for Europe and other countries, and um, it's just kind of because the the restrictions that are in place, you know, it's much easier if you are to, uh, vaccinated to travel right now. Absolutely, and just to underscore, Eric, what you mentioned is that it's a requirement for people to have either a negative COVID nineteen test result no more than three days before travel to the U.S or documentation of recovery from COVID in the past three months, you will not be allowed to board a flight to the United States without one of those. Exactly. Yes. So um, are there any specific places that one should avoid or if, uh, where would one look for that kind of information if they were focused on um, what should, what should they avoid? Yeah. So in general, for, with regards to the entry requirements to a separate destination, so to somewhere besides the United States, um, we usually recommend people look at the Department of State website or the embassy website and because that would give you basically the most up-to-date information on what's happening in that country. However, from our standpoint, before even booking your travel or maybe, you know, while booking your travel, what we have are our travel health notices, our CDC travel health notices on our cdc.gov backslash travel webpage. What these are, are resources to basically inform travelers about the health risks that are going on in a given country. And we have system categorizations for COVID, um, which are four levels. Level four being very high COVID risk, which essentially means avoid all travel to that destination. Level three, which is high COVID risk, which means to make sure you're fully vaccinated before traveling to that destination. Level two, which is moderate, um, making sure you're fully vaccinated, but unvaccinated travelers at increased risk for severe illness should avoid unessential travel. And level one being low. Um, basically, just make sure that you are fully vaccinated before traveling. Um, so each given country, um, you can search for in our search toolbar. We have a lovely map. You can actually um, search or click on your destination country directly from the map. It will give you specific recommendations that will show you what level of COVID notice that destination has and provide you with other information um, with regards to protecting yourself and your family and your friends and whomever else you're traveling with or may have contact with um, before, during, or after your travels. So our travel health notice system is by far um, the best way to know what the situation is going on in a given country and what CDC's recommendations are with regards to planning travel to go to that place. Definitely important information to know that everyone should be checking out, especially all my travel advisor listeners out there selling international travel because it's, things change constantly as we've seen so much over the last yeah. year. And just last week, we saw another change uh, in regards to the federal mask mandate. It was extended into 2022. You know, some airlines have actually gone out and uh, banned fabric masks um, out there and updating their guidelines on what masks should be used. So just from your perspective as a CDC doctor, what masks should, be, should we really be wearing on planes? Yeah, so there's many types of masks you can use to protect yourself and others from getting and spreading COVID-19. And the most important thing, to be honest, with regards to masks is one that fits properly, the one that fits your face snugly. Um, cloth masks should have multiple layers of tightly woven, breathable fabric and ideally a nose wire to help it fit snugly. Um, and basically those types of masks should block light when you hold them up to a light source. Now, I understand that some airlines may be um, not approving cloth masks. The best thing to do at that point would be to call the airline and also ask what masks are acceptable to that airline. 
Um, in general, we promote any type of mask, like I mentioned, that does fit you snugly, but we do not recommend wearing masks with, um, excuse me, exhalation valves or vents or very thin single layer masks made of, you know, very thin fabric or if you hold it up to light that it doesn't block light. So those are the key things that you're looking for with masks used. Good to know. Speaking of planes, um, in terms of safety, how would you view air travel versus cruise travel versus like staying in a hotel these days as uh, a lot of travelers are concerned about the rise in the the Delta variant? Yeah. So so I'll maybe take each of those in stride. So we'll start with air travel. So as we know, air travel would require time spent in a security line in an airport terminal. Um, I think that there are efforts being made to socially distance during those times, but not everyone does adhere to those that, um, that guidance. Um, most viruses and germs while you're on the plane do not spread easily, and that's because of the way that air circulates and is filtered on a given airplane. Um, but um, airlines are filling their flights now, so it may be difficult to keep distance on crowded flights during embarkation or disembarkation. Um, it may be, you know, out of your control to have to sit within six feet of someone else, sometimes for hours. Um, for cruises, we recommend that people who are not fully vaccinated avoid all travel on cruise ships, including river cruises worldwide. Um, and that's because the risk of getting um, and spreading COVID-19 on cruise ships is very high. This is mainly due to the close quarters, the shared spaces, sh- shared surfaces, etc. cetera. Um, this is especially important for people with an increased risk of illness um, to avoid travel on cruise ships. Now, versus staying in a hotel, I think that there's been some good evidence recently that has shown that transmission of COVID from surfaces is negligible. Um, So I think that being in a hotel, um, I think there was initially this, you know, scare where we were all disinfecting our surfaces. And yes, that is still incredibly important, not only for transmission of COVID, but for other diseases too. Um, But with regards to close spaces, so lobbies, escalators, elevators. Um, It's just essential to make sure that you're maintaining that distance, wearing a mask indoors, and making sure that you're giving people that proper six feet of space. Um, In any of these circumstances, you should be wearing a mask over your nose and and mouth, avoiding crowds, staying six feet away from others, um, and then washing your hands or using hand sanitizer with at least 60% alcohol. So it, it really depends on the individual what their comfort level is with regards to, you know, the, the plane, train, or ship. Um, but in general, only vaccinated people should be cruising. In general, any space where there is going to be a shared communality of people, whether that's an airport, on a cruise ship, in a hotel, people need to be very careful and um, do everything they can to not spread COVID-19. Definitely. And, and with the with the cruise travel thing, it, it was just such a long time before they could get their chance to actually partake back in and, and show that they could safely operate. And I think all of them want to be able to do um, vaccinated passengers only, but that has there's been some legal issues that, you know, we can save for another mm-hmm. day type of thing. But, you know, most of them, they, do, they want to have that um, p- predominantly uh, fully vaccinated um, travelers on board. So I was on a cruise ship um, about three weeks ago now, and it was... They just implemented right after I was on it that all everyone has to be tested beforehand because everyone's so concerned about the Delta variant. So I think that was a smart play and and adding back testing just to be sure since they can't 
you know, have 100% vaccination on board. I think it would be um, much safer if they, if they could do that. But the fact that they're testing now, I think is, is key as well, because you're guaranteeing that your passengers are being tested beforehand, whereas you can't guarantee that for every um, hotel stay or you can't guarantee that for every airline flight either. So. Yeah, and I think that that highlights the importance of layering approaches, right? Vaccination is wonderful, and it is by far the standard of what we should all be doing at a baseline. But that doesn't mean that, you know, we don't mask or that we don't socially distance or things of that nature. And like I said, layering is just that testing is that extra layer, right? So you have vaccination, you have testing, you have masks, you have social distancing. So it's all about the layering approach. Definitely. And this coming uh, coming up soon is Labor Day weekend. Uh, some um, experts out there are forecasting that it could be even larger travel numbers than what we saw at July 4th. So I think a lot of those people are going to be hitting the road, though, and doing some road trips. So any advice for uh, road trip travel? So I think that the most important thing here, Eric, is get vaccinated. I mean, I think that we saw that with a lot of the travel that happened over the 4th of July weekend, the surge that occurred, you know, as a then after that in a, in a time frame that would be conducive with transmission of COVID-19. Um, so being vaccinated is the underscored, highlighted, exclamation pointed um, take-home message. Um, we still need to be doing a lot of what we've been doing for the last year and a half, unfortunately. That's the state of affairs that's going on. And I mean, I would personally participate in outdoor activities that could be properly socially distanced that weren't in a large crowd um, and enjoy myself responsibly. You know, I think that this is an opportunity for all of us as the summer comes to an end to get out and to spend time with our family and friends. But I also think that we need to do that very responsibly, which as I mentioned, includes wearing a mask, avoiding crowds, socially distancing um, of at least six feet um, and then washing your hands as often as you can with water or hand sanitizer. Uh, water and soap, excuse me, or hand sanitizer. Um, so I think that all of those things can hopefully prevent some illnesses as people do travel for this upcoming Labor Day weekend. And just to close to get out here, um, what would be your advice to uh, travel advisors who sell travel? That's kind of how they make their livelihood. It's been a rough year going, but we're seeing more and more bookings taking place. Although uh, most recently in the last month or so, we had some cancellations because of the Delta variant. But as we progress into, you know, fall and, and winter, and winter is a big time for travel as well, with a lot of um, people hitting um, ski slopes and, and snowboarding, or they're uh, going to warmer weather to get away from the snow. Um, any any advice you'd want to uh, pass on um, in closing here to our travel advisor listeners? Yeah, I think that the best way to get people vaccinated is for people to hear so they should be hearing it from CDC. They should be hearing it from their family and friends, and they should be hearing it from their travel advisors. So um, if there is any possible way for travel advisors to promote vaccination and to help play a role in helping people understand the importance of vaccination, I think that that would be the best way forward. Noted. Yeah. I mean, some people you know, that I talk to, they're a bit uncomfortable in, in approaching that and how they, um, when they get the, you know, get the phone call and say, Hey, I want to go travel here. You know, I think it's, it's a tough situation for sure for, for a lot of people out there, but there are other advisors who are very upfront and say, listen, this is, you have to be vaccinated if you're going to do business with me and, and others are just taking what they can get. Yeah. Certainly challenging times out there for, for all, uh, Dr. Angela, I really appreciate you joining me on the podcast here again. Um, thank you so much for your time and any, any closing thoughts of how people could get in touch with you or the CDC or, or anything like that? Any websites you want to mention? 
Um, yeah. I mean, one thing I would like to mention in closing is that this situation is dynamic. It's constantly changing. Every day we learn more about the virus, the disease, the variants, and we have no idea what the future holds, unfortunately. I wish that I did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, any up-to-date information that anyone may need coming to the CDC travel website um, would be the first place that I would recommend coming. And from there, you can link to all of our COVID guidance in addition to our travel health notices. That would be www.cdc.gov travel. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dr. Andrew. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, Eric. It's always a pleasure. Definitely. Hopefully a year from now, you and I could just talk about, you know, cool places to visit and things like that. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Thank you. Take care. Thanks again to Dr. Angelo for jumping on and talking travel and the craziness going on. Listen, folks, you I'm not going to force you to, you know, get vaccinated if that's what you don't want to do. I would prefer it if you did. But you're going to do you. You're going to live your life. I'm going to do me and I'm going to live my life. And that's where we're at. And that's why we're still where we are in the world today. But I digress. Folks, thank you for so much for listening. If you enjoy the podcast or if you have feedbacks or comments or anything, you can always reach out to me at the email, uh, leave feedback, uh, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. I would greatly appreciate it. Uh, if you'd like to be on the show, drop me an email, tell me what you're about and what you what you specialize in, and um, we'll see if we can get you on the books and make something work out. So that's it for this special Monday edition. Uh, I've had a few of those. I guess I've been been kind of contemplating maybe doing these shows all on Mondays. I've had some people say they like that better. So if you have an opinion one way or the other, love to hear from you. Always love to hear from you. Podcast at travelpulse.com is the email. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Have a great week.